Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where did you come from? Yeah, my name is uh, Daryl Cal, and I'm from Darndale originally, but I actually live in Clearhall now. So, How long were you living in Darndale? I grew up, well, I, I lived in Kilbarrick for the first two or three years of my life. And then we moved up to me, my mum, my dad, my little brother, Lee. We moved up to Darndale then when I was, yeah, two or three. And then lived there up until only about two months ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Where about? Um, Borkup Avenue. All right. yeah. I'm, do you know what? I had to go down to a funeral. Um, Barbara Hunt died and I had to go down to a funeral, like to Barbara's funeral in the house. And I couldn't find it. No. Like, I couldn't. Oh, it's amazing, it is. It's amazing. It actually used to be even worse because there was a lot of, a lot of like, back, back lane ways, yeah. alleyways and stuff. And, yeah, they switched around the billboard. It is amazing, yeah. So, I was yeah. driving around for ages, and then I remember stopping some young fella, young fella, and I think he was in the middle of something, but he was like, come on, I'll bring you. And, like, my friends were ringing me going, where are you? And then when I was coming out of it, I got so disorientated. I was just coming down to Belcamp to go into the courts. You know the way you can go down yeah, that way? Yeah. And I said to the, my friend, I said, where are we? And she goes, are you for real? She said, that's the courts there. But I just couldn't because I just came out of Dandale so quick. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it, it, even my friends, my friends, um, like one of my friends in particular, he, he comes into me all the time and he still gets lost because there, there's a couple of different turns into my estate mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he finds a heart getting into the... Into what was it like growing up and down there? I loved it. Did you? Yeah, no, it was great. Um, I, I had quite an active childhood. Like, I wasn't, thankfully enough, I wasn't the generation with the phones and the games and streaming and stuff. It was, you were outside, you were playing, you were just getting up to no good at times and just messing around with the lads. I, um, I was always, pro- I, probably in around my area anyway, I, I would have been known for the horses. Mm. I, uh, I I was pestering my since the my mom actually said the one of the first words that I said was can I have some about the horse money because I used to love to remember the old twenty p's yeah. with the horse on them yeah and I used to always say oh horse money horse money and uh, then I used to watch horse racing with my granddad and I was just horse obsessed then I used to go in all the time I'd see the lads outside and the horses out in the field and stuff and I'd go in ma ma will you buy me a horse will you buy me a horse and she says, how are you going to pay the vet bills and all this, that? And she just, I think once I got to about 15, I went in and there was a horse for it. A young fellow was selling a horse out in the field and he was looking for 250 euro for it. And I said to me, ma, ran in, I was like, ma, ma, will you buy me this horse, please? Buy me the horse. And she says, uh, 
what are you going to do? How are you going to look after him? Blah, blah. I was like, man, I'll make a walk. I'll make a walk. So I went outside then and uh, she called me back in. She was like, look, your dad's going to give you the money. But because uh, all my mates had horses, I was the only one without a horse. <laughs> and me, me, uh, me, ma said, look, your dad's going to give you the money, but this is your Christmas present. And I was like, yeah, I don't care. So I bought the horse and uh, I only had that for probably, I'd say, three, four weeks. And I, I actually I used to keep it out in my back garden at night time because I was afraid I'd get pounded. Yeah. And then one day me, me dad went mad. He was like, that horse is pounding all over the garden. He says, get that out into the field. And the first night I left it back out in the field, got pounded. No. Yeah. I went over to my mate's house and he was like, my nickname is Gibbo. He says, Gibbo, your horses have to get pounded. All the lads' horses have to get pounded. And I ran off to the field and I ran up onto the hill, looked over and they were gone. And I ran back to me gaff crying and I ran in. It was like, it's your fault. You told me to get it out. But, yeah, I loved it. It was horses. Or Where was it? So, like, obviously, is it down to the lake and down there? My dad fishes on yeah, that lake, yeah, right? So yeah. I know the lake. But So where were the horses kept? They were down by, you know, Wallace's down the back roads? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Literally just in them, all them fields. Even sometimes I would have kept, I would have tied them up to the the bottom of um tied my horses up to the bottom of the the field near Wallace's in the Darndale Park. Do you know, like that's the best statement I've ever heard. Is that mm. all my friend has horses? I was the only one without yeah, a horse. I literally was me mad because I don't know. Well, there was obviously a good few of us, but the ones that were into the horses, they yeah. all had horses. The one like I was the only one that was into the horses that didn't have a horse. So. And you know what, like, when I seen the horses, like, I always pity the horses. Because yeah. I thought they weren't taken care of. Well, I have seen that growing up. I've seen people, mm. like, abuse horses and stuff. But I was always, um, and I'm not just saying this, but I was always, like, the horses were a passion of mine. Mm. I, um, I end up, like, going even further with the horses in the in the future. But so tell me that. So you went into your dad, you cried your eyes out. Yeah. What did your dad say? Um... I, I can't remember, to be honest. Yeah. I know I know, I was going mad. And he was like, well, what do you fucking expect, bleeding? Probably all that, you know what I mean? Yeah. He was like, you can't keep a horse out the back garden. It needs to be in a field or in the stables. And I remember, um, because that was my Christmas present, and this was probably in the summer, mm-hmm. he um, he gave me money then on Christmas Day. And he gave me 500 euro. And I went out. Uh, it was either Christmas Day or the day after Christmas Day. And I bought a horse off my friend for 350 euro. And I had him for a while now. Um, but yeah, I've had probably, I'd say up in around 10 horses like grown up in Darndale. And most of them got pounded. Some of them got, I sold. But yeah, now I always looked after my horses. I was always, even my friends, my, like, you do see people that mm. have mistreated horses. And it is, it's like, I, I don't like it. I have seen it, but I don't like it. Mm. And it wouldn't be me, so. And then you said there you went further into the horses. Yeah, so um, I was always interested. Like, all growing up, I always wanted to be a jockey. And I reached out to a trainer out in Lusk. His name was Adrian McGuinness. And he does well. He, he probably mm. only has, well, at the time, he only had 20 to 30 horses, race horses in. And he got a good handful of winners every year. He was a flat trainer, so just like... You know, flat and jumps. Mm-hmm. He was a flat trainer, so he, all his horses were flat horses. And I reached out to him, and he says, yeah, come on up to me. And I went up to him, and he taught me a lot. He basically got me to a level where I was able to ride race horses around the gallop. And uh, the first race, horses, race horse I ever galloped on, like sprinted on, was one of his horses. 
And um, how does it feel sprinting on a horse? Ah, uh, well, it, it's mad because like horses growing up around the estate, I'd I went as fast as I could on any of them. Mm-hmm. But when you get on a race horse, it's it's a different kettle of fish. Like I remember the first time I ever went on a race horse. I remember, so it was like a. The gallop was shaped like the number nine. Okay. So you go around the circle and then at the end you sprint up um, the straight. So we done that. You do, what, like two or three laps of the circle and then they're probably like, uh, probably the best part of half a mile um, in like long in, in length. But the, the first time, yeah, a, horse, a horse called Semi Home and I remember I was nervous. I was breaking it. And uh, Ado says, do two laps and then follow on up the up the stray and uh, give him a slap down the shoulder with your whip. So we uh, we done that anyway. And I remember I literally let the reins go on the horse, just like let them out, hit him a slap down the shoulder with the whip. And uh, he took off and his legs, I'll never forget it, his legs stretched so far out in front of me that I was like, whoa. And then um, it was like, my eyes were watering. It was just like... You ever see the the Fast and Furious movies mm. when they press the nos in the car and then everything just shoots past? That's what was happening. I just like boom, and then as we got to the top of the gallop, then because he was going so fast, and it was he was hard to stop, mm. and I was nearly crying trying to stop him. I was going towards like there was like a a big fence at the bottom of the gallop, and I was like nearly crying. I was like, oh, he's not going to stop. He's not. Boy, he did. Terrifying. He yeah, yeah, but it was great. Yeah. Uh, after that then after I after I uh, so I stayed with Ado up until it was about 18 reached out to a few race horse trainers over in England because there's more uh, racing horse racing over in England more meetings every day or every week and there's a better chance of becoming a jockey over there so um, are you too tall though no no everyone thinks that but it's, it's about the way Right, um, okay. like you could be seven. Well, seven foot would be a bit, a bit stupid looking, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you could be, you could be, you could be. It's just all about your weight, you know what I mean? Um, I, uh, I have like some of my best friends over in Wales now are jockeys, and they're probably only a couple of inches smaller than me. So, um, I moved over to Wales and over to Peter Bowen, worked for him for two and a half years, and I actually raced um, one of his horses in point to points. It's like amateur races, right. I raced twice um, on a horse called Umbrody House. And then um, the second time I ever raced a horse, I was sitting in the tent. I had like the little jockey's tent. And me, ma, me ma, my dad, my nanny, granddad all came over. And I remember the, the rain was bouncing off the roof and I was sitting there, I was nervous. And I was like, oh, Jesus, it's pissing out. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I, I don't, like I was dreading it. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, yeah, hopped up onto the horse, went down, down to the start, and the the race kicked off then. And because of the muck, I jumped three jumps and I had two pairs of goggles on. And because uh, because it was rain and the, there was muck getting kicked up into my face, mm. I pulled down the fourth pair of goggles after three jumps. And bear in mind, I was 18 jumps in this race. It was a three-mile race. And, yeah, after three jumps, couldn't see a thing, pulled the fourth pair of goggles down, probably... Two or three more jumps, couldn't see on my second pair, and uh, I was going blind. I was going blind into the jumps, and when I went past the the crowd, then my horse hit the jump. I, I was just, I was just an absolute amateur. Mm. The, the fact that I could see as well, it was just a recipe for disaster. I ended up on the horse's neck, managed to stay on, and then I pulled up the horse, stopped, and the race continued while I walked back in. And what does it do to you in that moment when you land on his neck? Um, 
it's just uh, it's just survival mode at that stage. Like you're just trying to you're not I don't know, like if head falls off horses where you're bracing yourself, you can like you're hanging off the side of the horse and he the horse moves away from you a different direction and you're like right, boom, you tense up, boom, fall onto the ground, you sometimes you have to curl in a ball so he doesn't stand on you or the less mm-hmm. chance of him standing on you or kicking you and um yeah, but in, in that situation sometimes it happens so quick that you're just clinging on or you're trying to pull yourself back up or your yeah. man must have been terrified oh, I was disappointed I was because I, I was because they came over to see me and for it then like that but when I was walking back in on the horse the girl that was leading me back in she was like uh, she was like oh you were you were doing well up until then and I says yeah I says I couldn't see a thing Ginny her name was Ginny mm-hmm. I says I couldn't see a thing and uh, I was choking I was gagging on muck because there was so much muck in my mouth. Yeah, so after that, I was like, no, nah, I'm done with this. So I gave up the horses then. Did you? Yeah. I just, it just wasn't for me. I broke I broke bones falling off horses, and I, I've seen horses take heart attacks on the gallops, going up the gallops of people, left, what, 30, 30 to 40 miles an hour, taking heart attacks and dropping. I've seen, I've seen mad stuff for horses. And yeah, I was like, yeah, it's not for me. Because it is pretty horrific when you are watching a race and then like you yeah. see a horse and then if you see a horse die. Or break its leg, that's yeah. horrific to watch. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, it's it's not nice. Like, And I just, I do wonder, like my brother was a jockey um, down the Curry years oh, ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and um, now years ago, bless him. But um, he had massive faults and he'd mm. break bones and everything. And then I think one day he fell off the horse and nothing happened to him. But that was his, that was it. He yeah, walked away. Yeah. He couldn't yeah, he do just, it. It gets to that stage. Even sometimes I knew for a, for a long time that I probably hadn't got the bottle for it. But do you think though it's the bottle? I don't think. Um, I think you're being unfair on yourself, do. You? The, the thing is with me, I I always I was always quite an anxious person. So <clears throat> I like there there be times when I was nervous on horses that most people like jockeys wouldn't have been nervous on. Um, so, yeah, I, t- I think it was my ball, to be honest. Some people, it's not the case, but for me, mm. that it was definitely the case. And I think I think I was always a good judge on a horse, good judge of pace, good judge of a horse that was in form. I, t- I told my boss many a times that this horse is going to win next time, and I went and won. Um, I was always a good judge. Very, mm. uh, I, was, I was actually, like, without being cocky about it, I was mm. very good, very... Um, I'd say if my bottle hadn't gone the way, I probably would have been good with horses. Mm. Because uh, even, I think... Um, like riding horses for example my bottle probably held me back from improving whether it's going over jumps or just doing like just yeah just riding the more difficult horses and yeah my bottle definitely my bottle definitely held me back from improving on the horses and boy definitely had a a good spark with horses like do you regret it like or do you think back on I loved it Mm. I I love the memories the Welsh the the days out I've had the memories, yeah, everything about it. It's all great, except, yeah, I just hadn't got the... I just said to myself, look, I'm not going to make a career out of this and I don't want to be riding racehorses for three, £350 a week. Mm. It's risking my life. It just wasn't for me, so... What's your mind, I you? Um, Again, I was a bit disappointed because I know they were they, they were very proud of me living over in Wales and especially my dad, my dad... Uh, he was always interested to hear about how the, how I was getting on, and he the, my first ever race. He he got. I only found out the day before that I was racing the next day, and um, me dad ended up coming over, getting the bow over at last minute by himself just to see me. So 
yeah, no, I'd say, I'd say they were a little bit disappointed, but again, they, they're the type that just want to see me happy, do you know what I mean? So. But you must have had some spirit, because I'm not being funny, but I can say this because I'm from Ophiu, but people don't expect us to do well. They yeah. don't expect, you know yeah. what I mean? Like I had a friend, not a friend, like I said this before, a guy came up to me, he was like, hey, Rebecca, he's like, I can't believe your news. And I was like, what? He's like, I heard the most amazing thing about you. I was yeah. like, about me. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, he was like, you're from Darndale. He was like, and look at you now. And I was like, not from Darndale, I'm from Ophiu Courts. Yeah. I was like, but what you mean? Nah, yeah, that, that, I do hate that. It's, just, mm. it's like even, I don't know, it's just different people, like, just different estates, different, uh, you could be you could be five minutes down the road from someone, but completely different in your upbringing, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And different mindsets, everything, all that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, so but I, sorry, but I actually find that, um, f- just from the people I've met throughout my life and um, experiences that I actually find that the, the places like, say, Mofu, Darndale, all them type of uh, uh, locations, um, they're the they're the ones that they always stick together. Mm. Tough times, community, all that stuff. Like when I when my brother died, for example, um, we walked out into the garden, and my whole road was standing there with blowns to let them off. Do you know what I mean? Would you get that? And like you probably would get it in some posh estates, but mostly no. now I don't think you would. You mm. wouldn't get that community in mm. the the council estates. There's great community in them. There's a lot of chaos as well in them now, but there's they're great people. Just a lot of hard people have hard people have had a hard life, but um, great people. So tell me about your brother. Yeah, so um, it was September, just gone September last year. Um, he went. So the last time I actually seen him was the Saturday. I walked into the sitting room and he was lying. He was lying down and he had a tea whitener in, and he was actually the last time I seen him alive was how he looked when he was in he was sleeping like he was in the coffin. He was lying there with his um with his T wine R in and I thought because it because how he was, he was lying on the ground and I could only see his legs when I when I walked past the sitting room door and I went I went over and I was like, looked at him. I seen he had his T wine R in. I was just he yeah uh, I says, I oh, got your T wine R in and he, he just nodded his head to say yeah. I gave him a thumbs up and then I walked off. Went out, done whatever I was doing, probably out to friends or out to my girlfriend. And um, then I went on to Instagram and he had a story up that he was cycling out to Nice. So we cycled from Darndale out to Nice. He was really into his cycling. And went out, took a picture with the Nice ball. Do you know that big yeah, ball yeah, with yeah. the road markings mm. on it? Took that picture, stuck it on Instagram and he says... Sorry, one sec. Yeah, uh, stu- uh, take, st- take your time. Yeah, he stuck. He stuck up the the caption with that picture, saying, "Enjoy the little things, the nice things." And then he stuck up ahead another story. Then a boy layer, and he was cycling back down the motorway <laughs> on the on the hard shoulder. Oh Jesus! I know. And I replied to him with a laughing face, and he just li- <laughs> he just liked it. He never replied to me. He just liked it. Mm. And then. I didn't see him at all then. Uh, we just, however we were in the house, if I was in the house, he wasn't in the house that night or whatever. We just we just didn't cross paths again. Tell me a little bit about him. Was it? He seems like he was mad. Uh, no, do you know what? He's he's such. He was an introverted extrovert. He yeah. was like he was crazy, hyper loud, but shy and anxious, and it's introverted extrovert. Mm. That's that's what he was, and he was he was 
like you know when people dying are like oh he was a lovely person but mm. my brother Robert was a lovely person Um. He must have been into himself, was he doing his teeth whitening and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, well, he, to be honest, he, he never, he was very, like I said, introverted growing up and he went out to his friends every now and then. And, yeah. Um, oh, thank you. And his word, George yeah. Water, have that as well. He, um, so I think over time, he started coming out of his shell. One sec. Go on. He started Ooh. coming out of his shell and um he he had met this girl. He went away to Barcelona, where literally like probably two three weeks before he died. And uh, he was just the yeah. Uh, he, he was his hair was looking great. He had that like Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> type hair, do you know what I mean? And good head of hair. He was tan, uh, like he, because he just back from holiday tea winers, and he was looking well. He was feeling well, and I don't know. There was something about him. He was just he was on a he was on a high. He was loving life. And then, um, so he went out to Saturday night, out to watch, I think it was the Annie Joshua fight, or Tyson Fury. It was one of them. It was a big heavyweight fight anyway. He went in to meet the lads in the living room in town. And uh, after that, they went to uh, a house party in, what's the name of that place? Ballybock, don't I know? No, it's over towards, it's not too far from the Black Forge. Um, oh yeah, Bally Fair, not Bally. I know did that. I know yeah, what you're talking about. Yeah, um, oh, I can't even think mm. now. But yeah, over over by that direction, he was over there, and uh, he, yeah. So he was at the party, and I think at two o'clock, then he left the party. He said to his mates, oh, "I'm gonna head home." So he went home, and well, he let he left the party, and um, the next thing we knew, uh, we were. We found out the next morning. So, what we think what happened was, and I don't think it was, I don't think any of my family think it was suicide. And we're not naive, do you know what I mean? Like, if we did think it was suicide, we'd say it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we think happened was, because he, he was such a clumsy drunk, um, we think he went down, went down into the canal, um, went down for a PISS, mm-hmm. and uh, we think he fell in and. The fact that he was he was drunk, cold water, darkness, uneven ground, all the all just all them factors just played a part, and I think I think he so a young man there. I don't, I don't know how old he was, but the guard said he was a young man. Was going up the canal then the next morning on a on a canoe, and he see, he saw something float in the water, so he went over. So it was my brother, and then shouted up to the women walking past, run into the fire station. Um, like, there's a dead body here, blah, blah, blah. So they end up going in. Yeah, and then they found me, brother. So I found out then on the the Sunday around 2 o'clock. I was dropping my girlfriend home. And then I was going to collect my nanny because she was coming over to the house for food. My ma was meant to be making dinner. But my ma wasn't making dinner that day. She she woke up and there was a weird vibe off her. It, it, it was just weird how it all happened. I was like, are you not bringing any of them, man? She says, yeah, I am. She was like, we're just getting any friends. Yeah. Funny enough, we were around talking about it, but she was like, we're just getting any friends. And um, I said, right then. So I dropped Casey off, about to head up towards me nanny. But just before Casey got out of the car, actually, my mum's boyfriend rang me. And he was like, Daryl, have you got uh, an updated picture of Robert? Take your time. 
I knew straight away. I didn't I didn't ask any questions over the phone. I knew straight away. And I, I was like, why do you want an update picture of Robert? And I could hear my man in the background saying, Daryl Degarda here, um, just send it. So I, I hung up the phone, said to Casey, get out of the car, get out of the car. She was like, why, what's up, what's up? And I said, I think Rob's dead. And she's like, what, what are you saying that for? I was like, get out of the car, Casey, will you get out of the car? So she walked into a house and I flew home. And as I was driving up the Clear Hall Road, I was bawling my eyes out. And I rang his twin, his twin brother, Eamon. I rang Eamon and I says, Eamon, I think Rob's dead. And he was like, what are you saying that for? What are you saying that for? And I was like, look, he's either really badly injured, he's in trouble or he's dead. He said, the guard are at the gaff looking for an updated picture of him. And then uh, I flew on. Like, I mean, I couldn't get home quicker. One of the lads seen me drive into Darndale and he says he knew something was up because he said, oh, he flew into Darndale. I ran into me, I ran into me kitchen then, and the guard was standing there, and I says, "Is he dead?" And they says, uh, "Look, we found a bank card. We found a body in the canal, and there was a bank card in the pocket belonged to Robert Cal." I just ran out to me hall crying, and then I ran back in. I says, "Was he murdered?" They were like, "No, we don't think so. We, th- we think it was an accidental death." And then I ran upstairs then, I rang, rang me nanny, rang me brother Aim, and I says, yeah, he's dead, Aim. And Aim, just bawled his eyes out on the phone. Uh, Where yeah. was he? Where was Aim? Aim was, uh, so he lived down in Ashbourne at the time. And he was, I think he was driving over this direction. And uh, so I rang him the first time, he was probably on his way over. And then the second, uh, he arrived at the house probably about five, ten minutes afterwards. After I rang him and he came in then. and Yeah, so that was tough. Um, Amo, because he's his twin, Amo found it tough. Amo the whole week was just shaking. He was in bits, he was shaking. And to be honest with me, it didn't, it, like, I was heartbroken, I was in bits, but I was very... Uh, I don't know, I was cold with my emotions. I, uh, I remember one of his mates, Aaron. Now, Aaron's a lovely bloke, I love Aaron to bits, but just after finding out that news, your head's all over the place. And I remember Aaron walked into my garden, because, uh, say, well, he we found out at two o'clock to say between four and six, or give or take. Aaron, um, Aaron walked into the garden with another one of his mates, and I was standing talking to my mates because my mates came up to me when they found out and Aaron walked in he says he was crying and he was like Daryl is it true is is Rob dead and I says yeah I says he's fucking he's dead he is and uh, Aaron probably didn't probably to this day doesn't know this but I was was interrogating him in that garden I was asking him loads of questions and was he with him? He was with him in the party, and I think he was the last person that was talking to Rob. I'm nearly sure because he he said he said, "Do you want me to go with you?" And Rob was like, "No, no, I'm just gonna hop in the taxi and head home." Blah blah blah. And uh, so I was interrogating him. I was saying, "Who was with him? Was anyone fucking?" I was asking loads of questions. Was was he fighting anyone? The arguments? Was he doing drugs? Was he? I was finding trying to find out everything. I was like, "And why didn't you go with him?" I was like, oh, bro, oh, I said it to him, I said it to him, he just said, he says, no, he wanted to go, he says, you stay and enjoy your night, he says, I'm just going home to bed, 
And I was like, I swear to God, the whole time I was talking to Aaron, and Aaron's a lovely bloke. He's he was great to me, ma, to me family throughout the 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 funeral. He's even to Rob. He was a great friend to Rob. But just because you're in that mindset, I was looking at him in the garden, interrogating him. And if he had slipped up and said one wrong thing, I'd have fucking. I said it. I was saying in my head, grab him up against the car. And well, I'm glad I didn't. It was just it. I was cold. My head was all over the place. But when you have a situation where they should have went home with him or they didn't go home with him or for whatever reason, that's different to somebody just, you know, it is different that, you know, he was with people and he was alone. Mm. Why was he alone? Mm. And that's where your resentment was kicking in there. Yeah, you just, your mind plays tricks on you when things like that happen. Mm. Um, You just, you just don't know who you can trust. I'm like, I was like... Did his mates do something? To be honest with you, I actually thought one of his mates done something to him. Um, I was like, only for the guard, like, I know the guard says we think it was an accidental death and stuff, but, like, that day, like, my mind was playing tricks. I was like, does he have to be in fucking, one of his mates do something, or did he have an overdose in the house and his mates fucking done something to the body just to fucking cover it up, or, I was, I was, I was like, I don't know. I was just, my head was all over the place. My friend, I won't say her name here because she's gone through it as well, but mm. the exact same thing it was the girlfriend and some friends. He went home and then he, he died. Mm. But they're saying, oh, he went home and he killed himself. And she's like, I don't think he killed himself. Yeah. She's like, I don't think he killed himself. And she's gone through the exact same emotions as you. But even for that, she's like, did you have a fight with him? Did you want to say something yeah. to him? Something. And she thinks there's something more sinister involved. Well, to be honest with you, I, I think a lot of the time you need to trust your gut feeling. Mm. And you'd be surprised, like, the amount of things that happen in the world. And for a friend to do something like that, there'd be no surprise. Mm. And I, that's that's another thing. Like, I've, I, I said this to my girlfriend. Um, I said, you know what? Not one time was I surprised. I, I, I promise you, not one time was I surprised he died. It's just like, life doesn't surprise me anymore. Nothing in life surprises me. Even when I found out my brother, my brother Eamon was having a kid... Found out two, three weeks after Rob died. Found out his twin brother was having a kid and I cried. And it wasn't because I was happy or sad or... Well, I was sad. I was sad because the first thing that popped into my head was me. But I won't be there for it. But the gender reveal and everything. I just I, I find it hard to, uh, to feel emotions now. Did you feel that Eamon's life was moving on without Rob? Not well. It, it, all our lives did move on, and we we have to. Do you know what I mean? We can't if we just stay in the same place. We'll we'll put ourselves in the grave. Do you know what I mean? And obviously, it, it eats us up and it comes in waves. But Amo, after I think I think a week after um, my brother died, Eamon went over to Lanzarote because my dad lives in Lanzarote now, okay. and he went went over to Lanzarote for two two weeks, and. Uh, yeah, they came back, and that's when they said they were. Jesse said she was pregnant, but I don't know. I, I just, Amo found that tough, so I was sort of glad for him that he has a baby to focus mm. his mind on. And but no, I, ju- I just think uh, when I found out he was having a kid, that see that me mind is delighted for them, and I can't wait to meet the baby. I can't wait to hold it, um, but. The gender reveal found out they were having a boy, and I was like cheering. I was like lovely. I was like delighted for them. But I, me, me stomach wasn't getting them butterfly feelings. I wasn't. I can't like. 
my mind can think things, but my body can't feel it, you know what I mean? So it's mad mm. what life does. Yeah. Like that baby being a boy. Mm. When does he do? Um, 7th of July. Okay. But that's the thing, because my, my brother's favourite, my brother Rob, his favourite colour was blue. And, uh, like, it's just, there's, even, we have, like, a thing with his ashes and stuff in the in the house. It's like a big glass, uh, like, cabinet. And it's, we have a blue neons around it. We pictures and all the little, little niggly bits from, from him. We have a lock of his hair and stuff in it, and that's blue and Blue, for like, 2021, uh, well, the second half of 2021, my life was, like, blue was a big thing in, in, in my life, the the colour blue, because um, just my whole house, me, me sitting room in particular was, like, decked out in blue, blue lights, blue, everything, just for Rob. And then when we found out we, the, blue, the blue popped, came out at blue, and it was a coincidence, but, yeah, no, we're... I'm delighted for them having a baby, but I just need to, I just wish for myself I could start feeling emotions again, but I'm sure probably over time I'll come back. And they just, it's, you don't ever get over it, you don't ever get through it, but like, yeah, they, those emotions will start coming. I say when you see the baby. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah, definitely, and I love kids as well, like, mm. I, I've been told many a times that I think I'm going to be a good dad, and. I can see even with my girlfriend, like my girlfriend mother's me, do you know what I mean? So mm. she's going to be a good man. And I look forward to having kids myself, but just when the time's right, obviously. But yeah, it's it's weird because the thing is with Rob, it was um, it was a slow burner. So because I always thought, ah, he's walking around my house a couple of weeks later, I was like, ah, he's in walk. And then I'd, I remember I was lying on the couch before and... Um, I said to myself, I was thirsty, I wanted a fizzy drink. And I went to get my phone to text Rob to get him to bring a, a, a bottle of coke home on his way home from work. And I was like, ah, like he's not here. And things like that, triggers and stuff. But How does that hit you? Oh, it hits, it's, when, it, when it hits me, it hits me hard. Like like I said, it's a slow burner. So most of the time I thought he was in work or he was out of the house and then certain things will trigger me and I'll cry. Or... Even me missus, like, me and me missus, only probably three, four nights ago, were lying, were lying in bed. And we were chatting about Rob, and I was telling her about the counselling session, and the two of us, I basically cried myself to sleep that night. And uh, uh, Casey beside me as well, she was bawling her eyes out, and just a slow burner. Like, See, your emotions are there. Yeah. But it's just you're so caught up in yeah. grief. Yeah. That your emotions are there. They cl- they're clearly there. No, they are. They, but yeah, I can see but what you you're mean. But you're, you're just here in this cloud and that's you're going to stay there for a while. Yeah. And that's all right. Mm-hmm. Until you can come out of it. That's, that's, the, my emotions definitely are there, but it's just excitement, happiness, they're the emotions. That's that okay. I should, yeah. And I that's am, okay. It's just, it is just grief, isn't it? So. Mm. And that's okay. And you can stay there for a year. You can stay there for two years. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And you have to, if you have to, you have to. Yeah. Uh, that's all. I've been working on myself as well. So, even like, like I was telling you before the podcast. So, my one of my friends said to me, "What was um, what was harder, the loss of your cousin or the loss of your brother?" And I think the only reason he had, obviously, like my brother lived with me and I seen him every day. You'd think that'd be harder, but I think um, 
So my mate said to me, yeah, what was harder, your cousin or your brother? And I says, oh, come here, look. The way I explained it was they were like two hot drinks, tea and coffee. Both, both are hot drinks, but taste different. My cousin, my cousin, JJ, he, um, he was a sudden, de- he was a traumatic death and that hit me instantly because I didn't see him every day and I knew when I got the phone call, I knew he was gone. Whereas when my brother Rob, I always sort of seen him around. He, I, I always thought he would have been in the house or out with his friend. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hands are in walk. So it only hit me every now and then that Rob was gone, but John John was instantly, so. And when did John John die? 2017. Okay. Yeah, he, uh, John John, you know, like, even the papers and stuff, they said a lot of nasty things. The, the, the papers confirmed to me after my cousin John John that I'm like, oh, I don't believe bullshit already. It's really, they put stuff in the papers that I was like, this is mental, like, this isn't true. I knew John John, John John told me everything. If I chatted John John, me and him were sitting down having having a drink, I asked John John any question, he'd, he'd tell me. So obviously I don't really want to get into the mm-hmm. the details of what mm-hmm. happened, but I'll, I'll like so. Long story short, he he actually got killed because of someone else's beef, um, by association. He was he was friends with people, um, he was set up, and he got shot. Um, that was hard. No, that. I think I was always I was always a bit anxious and stuff and but it was always quite I was always uh, especially social media like I always loved to be silly on Instagram stories and 
I, to be honest with you, I always wanted to be famous growing up. I always wanted to be famous, but I think after John John died, after that's when my mental health started really decreasing. How old was he, and how old he were was, you? He was twenty eight. I was twenty five. Okay. And uh, yeah, me and him were close. Like he, growing up, he would have been the cousin that I stayed with every weekend, and I'd only started really getting close to him again because obviously I lived in Wales, and I, I really started getting close to him again probably the year before he died, and. The last time I actually seen him, we were so we were in a night out in the cafe bar, and he lived over in Lucan. So he gave me his key, and he says, "Will you drop me car up to me tomorrow, and get Amo to follow you out and drop you back?" And I says, "Right." So he was driving an Audi, so I flew out to Lucan in the Audi, and I went out, and he was sitting out with his man's back, out my auntie's back, and I gave him the key, and I says, "John, John, that's some car." It was the first time I'd driven a car like that. I was like, "That's some car, John, John." Love, I, like you put the you. Put the bleeding pedal down and mm. it kicks in and you're I've gone. I've been back on a horse. Yeah, literally, exactly like that. Mm. And uh, I was like, I was like, great car. And uh, yeah, so we are chatting about the night out before and stuff. And uh, then I gave him, a, I gave him a, like a little handshake and I said, "See you later." And he used to always call me Cuz, Cuz are there. He'd be like, "I'll see you later, Cuz. I'll see you later." And I left him then, and yeah, a couple of weeks later, then he was shot. He was he was actually shot in the in the car that I drove up to him. Wow. Yeah, so that that was very like that hit me like a ton of bricks. I was paranoid. I literally I was literally there was loads to it, you know what I mean? So mm. it's like even myself, like I I just didn't know how I could trust. And I, I knew a lot of lot of details about the situation and even some of his friends, like, you know what I mean? I don't want to go into detail. No, obviously don't. Some, yeah. some people that you think you can trust, you just can't. Mm. And then the the trust issues and all start to play on you then in your yeah. mind with everything. Or yeah, and that's when that's when I started really decreasing with my mental health. And in what way? So I started getting more introverted, and then I was like, there was like a big shadow of me, and there was anger and stuff in me. And I remember. I actually got sacked there working in the airport before because well so John John was September as well, September eighteenth. And uh I got sacked out of the airport because two months later I was in work and I was very I was just in a weird headspace. Even after Rob was in a he- weird headspace, I could've I could have killed someone like had anger in me. And I walked into work one day and one of the lads was taking the piss out of me and he was talking about McGregor getting shot because he hit that gangster apparently like in, in the in the pub and he was like, bang, bang, McGregor's getting shot. And he knew I was a huge fan of McGregor. So mm-hmm. he was like, bang, bang. And I in the blues in the head and I, I like I did, I battered him. And I, I won't say his name, but mm-hmm. he, was, he was one of my close mates in the job. I bought him smokes that week and all because he was waiting to get paid. He was one of my close mates and I just had anger in me. And I battered him and I got sacked. And... Then, like, after that, then, I, I was paranoid. I was like... When you did that to him, mm. how did you feel then when you realised that you did that to him? I, like, I've had anger issues a good bit growing up. Um, to be honest, I'm surprised I never got in trouble over my anger issues. Um, but straight after, like, once I calm down, once once my my adrenaline goes, mm. I, I do feel like a prick, I swear to God. Even people I don't like... I hate losing my temper, but sometimes, like I go, like when I say I go tunnel vision, I just go tunnel vision, and I text them and all afterwards, and 
he wrote me back a bit of abuse saying I hit my sly dig and stuff. It wasn't a sly dig, boy. He said it was a sly dig, and I wasn't. You know, I was just had my hands up and was like, "Look, sorry, like I fucking." Yeah, because you have to accept that you did that. Yeah, no, hundred mm. percent. And to, to be honest, I loved, I loved the bloke. Mm. And even if I seen him now, I'd love to. I don't, I don't think he'd want to speak to me now. But I, I'd love. Like, he was a great bloke. He's a lovely bloke. Mm. He just, uh, he, like, even now, if I was only telling my counselor that if a kid comes up to me and does bang bang with that, it mm. triggers me. It doesn't. Like, I'm not going to start killing, battering mm. a kid, mm. but uh, it triggers me. Things like, and even walking past the canal. Or walking past a stream triggers me with me, brother. Do you know what I mean? Things trigger you. Mm. And unfortunately, it was too close to home that my friend, well, my friend in the job, I suppose, was uh, triggering, me, like, triggered me about guns. And I just snapped and I threatened him and he laughed. And then I walked over and just done what I done. So. so that's just things like that. Afterwards, after, after that, then. Between what happened there and then between Rob's death, mm. did you see counselling? Did no, you? No, I needed it though. I mm. definitely needed it. I see in around in around John John's death, I was partying a lot. I was doing a lot of drugs, is coke, um, on weekends. I was actually taking steroids as well at the time. God. Yeah, I was then. I was taking steroids, doing five days Monday to Friday in the gym. Going out on the weekend, getting out my head and ears up and open rights, and I uh, mean, I mean, my head was on. I was those times where I walked into one of my friends, uh, Calvin. I walked into Calvin one of the days, and we was chilling on the bed, and I literally cried my eyes out in his arms. And I remember one day I had an argument with my ma, and I was there was this was before I actually got sacked out of the airport. I was walking in the airport, and uh, I, had, I was starting at three or four in the morning. And I had to leave. So I had an argument with me, man, I say about 12 o'clock. And uh, I was like, right, I'm not going to bed. Like, I'm staying awake. Lying on the couch, crying I was. Got in the car to go to work. Say if it was at 3 o'clock, I probably left at mm. like half two or whatever time I was um, in the night. And I was driving up the N32 and I was bawling my eyes out. And I promise you, this was the sc- like one of the scariest things. It was like an hour body experience. It was like, I mean, left... There was a maze. Do you know the devil and the angel on the shoulder? Mm. That's why I actually have the devil and the angel on the tattooed on the back of my head. Mm. Uh, so one whispering into one ear, the other whispering into the other ears because I was driving up that N32 and I, it was weird. It was the weird, like the most hour body experience I've ever had where it was like, it was like two of me arguing and I was watching it and one was like, kill yourself, come on, kill yourself. And the other one was like, what are you saying this for? What are you saying? And I was bawling my eyes out driving up the road. And I was debating, I was debating, just fucking stop staring. And I just didn't, and I went into work and all. What were you crying for? I just wanted to kill myself, I wasn't happy in life. Um, I wasn't really getting on with me ma, my cousin had just died. Terrible state of mind, doing drugs, steroids. It was a recipe for disaster. Mm. Um, so it was actually... It was actually... <clears throat> the Halloween after me, so September... John John died the Halloween then the October I'd done drugs I'd done coke and I was remember I was sitting there on my head on the couch at a party and I said to myself what the fuck am I doing this for I says my cousin's lying in a grave and I'm risking my life doing drugs and that was the last time I ever done drugs 2017 I was like I'm not doing anymore and I said to the lads and the thing is when my mates are oh, you couldn't get a better bunch of lads like Good. I said to them around to the whatsapp group I said lads look I'm never doing drugs again. Don't don't fucking offer me any on nights out. 
and I promise you, no one has ever offered me. It would r- randomers have obviously, yeah. but like me mates have never ever like. Because this is the big thing, and this is what we talk about. I talked about it with David O'Gorman and Carl Clinch, um, that your friends mm. can sometimes be the influence. The influence. Yeah, and I know a lot of that. Mm. I actually know Carl as well. Carl's a very mm. nice bloke, and I'm, I'm I'm happy to see him. Mm. Like he's he's doing well for himself, and he has a good little missus there as well. By the looks of things, mm. and I'm happy for him. But yeah, the, I, I do know other people like uh, or a group of friends that they just uh, they have bad influences on their friends. And there's there's one group in particular I know someone is struggling in that group, mm. and the friends just keep bringing that person out, and I'm like, what are you doing? You're like, that's mm. not what you should do with your friend. Mm. Like, don't don't bring it out in the fucking drugs. Like someone else told me a big thing was that. Um, Someone was uh, had a gambling issue, mm. and the lads in the WhatsApp group were throwing bets in and throwing yeah. tips in, yeah. and someone just said, "Lads, can we fucking stop? Yeah. Stop putting the tips into the fucking WhatsApp group yeah. where he is." Yeah. And I don't. They all realised then only when someone spoke up and said, "And like your mum was like, it's grand, it's alright," and he, they were like, "No, it's not alright. Don't be putting tips into the group." Yeah. So you're very lucky. Oh, no, I am. And- I think my friends are very like switched on. A few of them have businesses and they're involved in cryptocurrency and all. They've, they're doing really well for mm. themselves, like uh, financially. And my friends are just very switched on. And I think like saying something like that, they knew how bad I was as well. There was times I'd just be sitting on the chair and I'd, I'd te- like I'd be bawling. I I only said to my best friend the other day, I was like, "Do you reckon I've cried more times than anyone else?" You know, You're like in front of you, and he says, "Yeah, probably." Can I ask you about your mum and dad yeah. and the splitting up? When did that happen? So it was uh, not too long after I moved back from Wales. Okay. I think they had a bad argument and wasn't talking for a few weeks. And then one day my dad just says, I think it was my dad that says, when I come back from work, um, I'm taking my stuff and going. And then, yeah, they were broke up then. How did that affect you? Um, It's weird because I sort of, after they broke up, it was sort of like, I always sort of knew that, but I just never really did know it, you know what I mean? I, I seen how the relationship was. They were obviously good at times, and then at t- probably the majority of the time, they were just, that wasn't... They weren't like, happy? Yeah, just, they, they weren't gluing, you know what I mean? They wasn't gluing together, so... Did it make you angry when they split up? Um, It was just, there was a few things that I found hard. Oh, I, I don't know if I had much anger in me, but... um. Yeah, that just a few things like wasn't seeing me dad as much. Um, I was still close to him even to this day. He's actually came back from Lanzarote last night, so he's gonna come over to mine for some field with me and Casey on Sunday. So I'm still very close to me dad, and even me ma. Like I love me ma, the bones of me ma. But yeah, there was just a lot. So they broke up, and I think after they broke up, me mom sort of she went through a bad patch. She was like drinking quite heavily and I think she went she like that was that was very hard it was like it was like a dark cloud over the house the whole time and that really affected me that really really affected me and uh like I'm not a big drinker mm. even me missus she always says she tries to pull it on me she's like let yourself loose a little bit and I'm like mm. I just can't I just, like I'm torn off drink mm. just because I can see what I can do do you know what I mean and yeah, so she went through a bad patch, and then I remember she she met someone else then as well, and I remember um, there was one day in particular. So she 
we'd fight that much, me and my ma, because I'd always be the one to call her out. I'd like I'd I'd see her going off the littles and coming back and hiding a bottle of vodka in her jacket or something, and I'd call her out, and I sort of took because my other three brothers at the time they were all younger, and I was naturally the person who spoke up more. I sort of took it all, and I I did feel as if I held the weight of that house on me on my shoulders, and uh, but I I noticed I learned how to deal with my ma, so my ma always because she suffers quite badly with depression herself, mm-hmm. and I always knew that she went through these stages. So she'd go through anger stage, she'd be drinking, go through anger stage, and then she'll get upset. And when she got upset, then I'd always go into her. And I'd, I'd sit on the bed with her and I'd be like, man, what's wrong with you? Come here, like, open up, what's wrong with you? And she'd bawl her eyes out and she'd tell me what's wrong with her and she'd be like, oh, I'm just fed up, nothing to look forward to, no no money, no this, all the bills and all the rest. And she just, she'd open up to me and that's me and my man, I like that, like, very close like that, but... I'd always know, I'd, I'd, when when she gets upset then, like when I chat to her on the bed, I'd say, Roy, man, come on, let's pull yourself up out of this now. I'd, me and the boys need you back in the house. Like, we, the places stay, we like we just need you around. Like, just, it's, it's just like me and the boys living in the house now. You're just in your room all the time. And then she'd cop on for a couple of weeks. She'd be great. And then she'd hit flat spot again, back to normal. And I learned how to deal with me, ma. Yeah, but you shouldn't have to. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, but like my ma, like I can see, I can see, like my ma has been with me dad since probably twenty plus years. You know what I mean? At the at the time, and mm. the she's she's had her own like few little bits and bobs that have her down and stuff like that. And I don't know. It's just people's coping mechanisms, isn't it? Um, I know, I, and I I get it. Like I, it's it's very hard to be, and I think as women. Mm. We have fears of how we're going to manage yeah. without the husband. How are we going to manage the household without the husband? How are we yeah. going to? And I don't know what. Oh, I think that is it's fear. And then obviously, then she, you have resentment, as in she's like, "Well, he's fucking off and leaving me here with three yeah, boys." Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I get it. But like I never spoke about it before. My brother's down in Quimera right now. He's on week seven for Monday, which I'm delighted for him. Um, but. I was the one who ran around and did everything for mm. him and all, and I, but I shouldn't have had to. Yeah, but we loved them. No, absolutely. We loved them with all. I'd our do hearts. it all again as well. Yeah, and we yeah. would do it all again, and we'll keep doing it. Do you know what I mean? But it's just that we shouldn't have to. Yeah. No. Do you and her ever go to counselling together? No. Probably should. Yeah, I think I think well, she's been to counselling. I think in the past, like when I say counselling, I think she's done one or two sessions, mm. and she never liked it. Mm. She's ju- she just said that the person didn't know her, didn't didn't get her, and just didn't really say much back in the counselling session and stuff. And I always had that. Um, that's why I probably didn't go to counselling because mm. I always said to myself, I'll open up to the lads. I'd cry in front of anyone. I'd tell anyone anything that's on my mind. So why why would I go to someone pay pay for someone that? Mm. I can get it with the lads, I can get it with my ma, I can get it with my girlfriend. But it was only when I did start going to counselling that I realised that, well, my counsellor anyway, she was great. Mm. She um, she lives out in Maid and she has like little, she has a couple of goats and horses and stuff <laughs> and she, she was just friendly from the get-go and went in, sat down, opened up to her and not only does, so obviously I'm opening up and telling her what's wrong with me, what's on my mind, how I feel, 
but she educated me on how to, she's been educating me on how the brain works, how trauma affects the brain, the nervous system, the how the both sides of the brains work and everything. She's been very educational. Mm-hmm. She actually told me to do um, the hotbox sauna. Have you ever heard of it? No. So the hotbox sauna, it's, I think that's based out me as well. Um, it's like a sauna. It's like, it's like a little shed. You get in the shed, um, stay in there for five to seven minutes, roast yourself. Um, and then you hop out and jump straight into the Boyne River. Okay. So it's a hot and cold plunge. And she told me that, um, she said that that's very good for helping reset your nervous system, and it's good for countering trauma. And I, I went and done that then, uh, last Tuesday, I think it was. Okay, how'd it go? It was brilliant. Yeah. No, I literally, I'd recommend it to anyone. Mm. Hot box on it. Mm. It's, uh, so I can't swim, and I have a fear of water. Mm. And obviously, so if that had happened to me, what happened to me, brother? They would have said, "Oh, he drowned." Mm. But because my brother could swim, that's why the question is: like, we don't know what happened to him. But <clears throat> the uh, yeah, so I went to the we. I, I brought one of my friends down with me, and I says, "I said, uh, I said, John, come here, look, like make me get in this water." I mm. says, "Like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be a little, a little baby, baby about it." Yeah, and then. Um, so we went in, done five to seven minutes in the sauna, and we are sweating buckets. Couldn't even like sit up against the wall around because it just it's like an oven. Mm. And he said to me, uh, "Right, we go." And he says, "All oh, right, come on then." Walked out, walked straight. I walked probably, probably nearly hip height into mm. the water, and uh, he dunked down into the water. He plunged into the water, mm. and then he came back up and he's like, "Right, come on, do it, do it." And I couldn't do it. I was like, I could see tadpoles and stuff in the water. <laughs> And the, the fact that I can't swim, terrified of water, mm. tadpoles, everything, cold, mm-hmm. freezing cold. I was like, I can't do it. I was standing there, I can't do it, I can't do it. And he said, who are you doing it for? And I, like, because I told him I wanted to do it for my brother, like, mm-hmm. and then I literally went straight down. Mm. Came back up, had a busted nose. And just, uh, it must have been a shock to the system, you mm. know, like, pissing blood. But, like, isn't it mad? Because that's all your trauma. Yeah. Your trauma just came out of your nose. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like everything just come out your nose. Mm. Like it's it is absolutely bonkers mm. what happens to us and what we do in life and yeah. how things help and it is, it's crazy. But that yeah. was just your trauma coming out your it nose. It actually happened to me the first two dunks that I done. Mm. The, yeah, and then so when I came up my friend was in bits laughing. I was like he was like, Your nose is bleeding, give up and I mm. went like that and yeah, my nose I was proper bleeding like then second time happened again and after that then I was grand. Boy, swear to God we finished up, so it was an hour long, mm. you get, you do five to seven minutes, then a, dun- a plunge and keep doing it, keep repeating and we walked out, we came out afterwards and I never felt cleaner inside or outside, mm. I swear to God it was something, something very nice about it. It's magical. Yeah, it really was. It is yeah. magical when things like that happen yeah. to you. That was an amazing experience mm. and we're going we're gonna to do it again now in the mm. next week or two. So. God, a hot box on I'll have to tag them and make sure that yeah. people do that. Um, how is your mum? She's good now. Um, so I think after, not long after John John died, when I was going through, obviously, probably the worst of my mental health, um, I pulled her up one of the days and I'm not sure if she even knows this, but I pulled her up one of the days. I says, Mark, come here, look, you need to cop on, you need to... Like if you don't stop drinking spirits and stuff, and like if if things don't improve, he says you're gonna you're gonna be down the sun, which mm-hmm. is like ironic now. But 
I says, you're going to be down the sun, man. I says, I, I can't mentally handle it. I'm like, between John, John, you, everything, that everything else I'm unhappy with in life. I says, I'm, I'm not going to be here, man. And I swear to God, I don't think she even knows this, but since that conversation, she's never drank a spirit. Mm. And uh, she knew she need you needed yeah. her. You needed your ma. Yeah, I mean, my ma's great. Yeah. She just, she, like I said, she just has a couple of issues herself. And but she, she drinks. She does drink some cans. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But like, she, she has a few cans and stuff. But she's, she's, she's a lot more chill. Lot, yeah. She's, she's not. She. she she just went through a bad period mm, where she course. was drinking and mm. she's a lot better now. And I think after my brother as well, she found that very hard. Not long after that, then I moved out. So there was only one brother left and then her and her boyfriend in the house. And she only told me the other day, went up to visit her and she was like, make sure you drop in more. She's like, even if you're passing, drop in for five minutes. She's like, when you left the house, there was a big shock because I was always... I was always like the man of the house, you know what I mean? Mm. I always, I never happened in around the house. I would have been stepping up, I'd have been, even anything, me man needed help, anything. Did you realise that when you were leaving and was it a struggle in your mind that you were going to go or did you realise, I have to start living for me? Yeah, no, I think I was ready to move out. Mm. Um, me and me missus were seeing each other for probably well over a year at a time. Um... I think we, we needed our own space. And then, yeah, I think I think just like, I'm 30 now, do you know what I mean? I, mm. I wanted my own, my own presses full of my own food and my own space, mm. my own everything. And then, yeah, it was well needed. But I actually cried the first, uh, the first night I moved into the apartment because I had actually had an argument with my ma and didn't, wasn't, wasn't talking to her while I moved my stuff out. And uh, so I was a bit upset about that. And then even my brother, my brother Rob, because 2016, he, my brother Eamon moved in with Jesse, his girlfriend. And then Rob had a, a room by himself. And then me and Lee were in a room. And me ma says, oh, Rob, like you move in with Lee, Daryl's older, give him his own room. Mm. And uh, Rob, like, he always called, he, he used to call me the privileged child. <laughs> he says, oh, ma, you gave him my room. You're, he was the privileged child. And... Mm. Then when I did start applying for apartments, I said to Rob, he says, do you know what, you're going to get the room back. Um, he says, I'm moving now. I should be moving now soon enough. I says, you get your room back. And yeah, he never got to get his room back. So that was that was hard for me. So uh, I think that's the first that I literally cried like a baby the first night. I was like, do you know when you're, when you're like jumping up and down like, oh. Mm. I was like that crying. Ugly crying. Yeah. Full in my girlfriend's yeah. arms. I was mm. like, she's like, what are you crying for? Is it because of Rob? I says, yeah. Tell so, me about your girlfriend. Ah, she's great. She's... So, my brother, Eamon and Jesse are going out with each other since they're 16. And Jesse is Casey's sister. So okay. it's two brothers going out with two sisters. And um, I always knew of Casey. But... Mm. I just never actually met her. And, well, I actually did meet her once at Deb's. Uh, I think it was at Jesse's Deb's. I met her once, but she had a boyfriend at the time. She had a long-term boyfriend. and Then lockdown came. Then Ramadan. Is it Ramadan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ramadan. Mm-hmm. Um, she was living abroad. She was living in Dubai. Okay. So she came mm. back. Uh, she was singing over there. And then she she came back. She was only meant to come back for three, four weeks. And then... Yeah, we just she came to a barbecue and my mum's back and we just clicked. And I sort of all I sort of always knew 
it's weird because Casey, if you've seen the picture of the two, it was like Casey's like, she's naturally stunning. And she was, I always used to say, like, there's no way I'd ever pull her. But it, it's weird because I used to always say to Jesse, like, Je- oh, is Casey still with her boyfriend and stuff? And she'd be like, no, I think they're actually broke up. And I always used to, I'd, like, I'd be like, I know for a fact if I was ever around her, I'd make her laugh and I'd win <laughs> her over. And it, that actually happened. Mm-hmm. We clicked. Straight away, we clicked. And, um, yeah, just she's been great ever since. She even through Rob after Rob died, the day I found out Rob died, she came up to me and I said to her, Casey, like I'm gonna be emotionally unavailable to you for I don't know how long. And she says, You you just do whatever you need to do, I'll be here. Mm-hmm. And she literally the whole the whole week of the funeral, she was running around doing everything. She went and got me my funeral clothes, her and Jesse and her ma and they done everything. They organised a lot of things and just a, she's just great. Yeah, I'll marry her definitely. Will you? One day, yeah. You've heard her here now, Casey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she keeps she keeps being on to me about uh, she's like, Oh, when are we gonna have a baby? When when are you gonna ask me to marry you? Mm-hmm. But she now like the two of us now, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We we click so well and Yeah, she's, I can't really imagine then no mm-hmm. one had handled me. I swear to God. Yeah. I'm I'm just a big baby half of the time and I I'm very confident no one else had handled me. Because I'm hard work. But that will change when she does get pregnant. Yeah. Oh, I look for I can't wait mm. to have kids. Mm. That will change. Mm. So tell me now, you're in counselling and what, what, how are you going to keep going? Like, how are yeah. you going to keep going? So the counsellor actually told me that it's weird because she sort of described the situation without me even telling her about it. So the first, the first session then, like I said, she was educated. She asked me a few questions, told her about me, brother, told her about John John and... She she started educating me about how one side of the brain is mostly for thoughts. The other side send so that brain tells the other side of the brain to send signals down to your body that cause you to tense up, angry, anxious, nervousness, all them emotions. And she was just educating me, and then she told me that now I probably butcher it compared to how she explains <laughs> it now. But she she almost said that yeah. With trauma, it'll affect me more in the long run if I don't if I don't focus on fixing it now. So she said, uh, it'll happen where, say, like, I could be, when I'm older, say, even when I have grandkids, mm-hmm. or kids even, um, she said that I'll go into a destructive mode where I'm cold, not feeling, like I said, emotions. Yeah. Um, my relationships with friends, family, even girlfriend will start, um, will start declining. I'll, I'll be angrier could probably even take up addiction mm-hmm. and I, I, I said to her I actually said to her uh, I, I wouldn't take up addiction like that like the most I'll do was probably smoke you know what I mean mm-hmm. I, I says I wouldn't be drinking I won't do drugs mm-hmm. Um, I'll never never be an alcoholic never be addicted to drugs and uh, she was like really yeah she was like I wouldn't bet against you and I was like I'd bet on me mm-hmm. I'd bet on me that I'd never never do any of that stuff and she was like I don't think she was like taking a dig at me. I think she was just trying to make me realise that this is what does happen. Mm. And um yeah, so I think she's I think at the minute she she told me just I think counselling at the minute is just very good for me. I've been feeling great now since mm. I started doing counselling. It's just something about it. I think I enjoy the chat. I I look forward to going to her. I when I'm leaving I wish I could stay there longer. Mm. It's just it's great it is and then yeah, back in the gym, um just trying to get stronger, trying to get in better shape. Just, I think, I think as well with myself, I think, 
I almost feel as if your brain is like, like say, like a bicep. You need to constantly do reps. So I'm always trying to, because I'm so, I'm so locked into my brain a lot of the time, I always try. So say, for example, I'll teach myself, I'll, I'll try to teach myself to not be, like, here, an example, say, so snappy. Mm. I'll say to myself, I'll say to myself, don't try, try be not so snappy. Even mm. like sometimes I'd, I'd be a little bit snappy with Casey and mm. I told the counsellor that mm. and she was like, look, you've went through trauma. Mm. Yeah, your emotions are all over the place. And sometimes I'm a little bit snappy. Like, I'll, be, I'll be making Casey laugh one minute. Mm. I walk up to the fridge and she'll say something. And then I'll be like, what? What are you saying that for? Blah, blah, blah. You're snappy. Mm. But I think, I think with a brain, you sort of almost have to keep... Trying it, yeah. Keep like repetition in your brain mm. to to try change. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I, I think I'm very in tune. Like like I was saying to you, I'm very in tune with myself. I think that I won't let it get to a stage where my brain is over- overpowering me. Mm. Um, but that's what you have to do. You just have to keep telling yourself, and the more yeah. you do tell yourself, yeah, those things will happen. What do you think Robert would want for you? Ah, he'd want happiness. Oh, absolutely. He was. Um, he was, I'd probably say the most genuine person that I would have had in my life. Even like my brothers and stuff, that we all have each other's backs, love that, love everyone, the bits. Mm. But Rob was the most genuine bloke. He'd have bleeding done anything for you. He'd have jumped in a fire for you. And uh, yeah, I think he'd, he'd have wanted me to. That's, that's what happens a lot. Like a lot of the time I'm upset is because I think at times where I never told him I loved him. He knew it. Yeah, there was one image in particular. Um, so we had a little mess fight in the, in the kitchen. This was probably only about two or three years ago. We had a little mess fight in the kitchen. And I sort of lost my temper a bit with him. And I can't remember what happened. If I had him in a headlock or whatever it was, I squeezed really tight. And I was like fucking, I was coursing him. I was mm. like, you're bleeding, blah, blah, blah. And then... Uh, I let go of him, and I remember he was on the ground. And he had a pair of gla- he, he wore glasses, mm. so his glasses were on the ground. And I remember he picked the glasses up off the ground, and I was sta- I was standing at the kitchen door looking at him, and I seen him pick up his glasses, put them back on him, and he looked so vulnerable. And I remember I went upstairs to me to my room after that, and I cried. I cried my eyes out, and I was like, "What the fuck am I doing?" I was like, "Look at my Oh uh, Jesus! A board is at the hitting oh my, God. my window. Jesus! Oh my God! That has never happened that in the crazy, three years that I, I have I thought someone threw something at the window there. Oh my God, he's at the hit in that window. A little magpie coming down to check on him. That has never happened in my life. That's crazy. Oh God, I'll have to make sure it's okay. Yeah. Jeez, it's never happened. There's your brother. There yeah. now. Sending us the message. That's I firmly funny, believe in that kind of stuff yeah. like that. I'm That's living crazy. here three years and that has never happened to me in my life. Oh God, we'll have to check on the board now. That's nuts. Is um, it moving? I don't know. God, let me just check. Hang yeah. on. Sorry for this interruption. Oh God, I hope so. But that's what, that's what brothers did. Mm-hmm. So brothers behaved like that. Yeah. That, that, that messed me up, that image. God, I promise you, when, that, when I seen that image, it was weird because I went up to my room and I said, I did say to myself, but you know, that's like your brother letting yeah. you know that that's, that was okay. Yeah, that's the type of thing he'd, like, he'd find that funny. So like, but he's letting you know like that, yeah. that was okay. Yeah. Like you were talking about that, that that's something that you hold in your head yeah, it's mad. all the time. But go crazy. on, sorry. That's, uh, 
if he was to throw a sign at us, that'd be the sign he would throw us and yeah. a board going into the window. But now he, uh, I went after that. After I seen that image, I went up to my room and I remember thinking to myself, "That never happened to him." I replay that image in my head, and it was only. I was probably only in my apartment like uh, two weeks, and I was going to bed every night, and I kept replaying that image in my head, and it was it was messing me up, it was really messing me up, to a point where I f- I felt like smashing my bedroom up. Don't. And I no, I wouldn't because even me missus, me missus, like she'd be out watching telly, and I'd be in my room, and I'd uh, I was lying in bed, and I was thinking of it. I was like, like I can still remember the image so clearly of how he looked. He looked so. Just so innocent and helpless, like just, yeah, just vulnerable. And I kept replaying in my head, and I, uh, I was tossing and torn and couldn't sleep for an hour or two. Just constantly think I was, it was a weird feeling. And I remember I kept saying to myself, "Just get up, go out to Casey, tell her, tell her." And I couldn't. I says, "If I tell her, I'm gonna ball my eyes out." I just didn't want to cry. It's not that I wouldn't cry in front of her. So I didn't want to cry, and then. Yeah, I think as as the time went on, then the sort of that lasted probably a week, mm. say a week of nights where I was going to bed and I was my head was messed up over, and then I think it sort of fizzled out. Then and I said I was saying that to the counselor. The counselor said, "Look, he's our brothers. That's what you do. That's what you do. He's fight with each other and he's fight for each other." But that's him telling you never to. And if you do get that image in your head again, to yeah. train your brain. To, to think of that. To think of that. Yeah, that's, that's good, that is, yeah. So that's what's happening there. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, come here. On that note, we'll leave it yeah. there. Daryl, thanks so much thanks for sharing your much story. Thanks yeah. um, I'm very, very sorry about your cousin, John John, and mm. about Robert. I'm yeah. really, really sorry. I appreciate that. And thanks thanks very much for having me. It was a very good opportunity. Good. So I, I really enjoyed it. Good. Thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.